I wonder what kind of trouble you're in today. What sort of problems you're facing. What God in his providence and life has dished up for you and placed on the table in front of you. It may seem like bitter herbs to you. It may sound very, very hard to overcome. Well, it may be, may be that it is hard, but you can handle it by God's grace if you know him as your Savior. I'm going to talk today and over several broadcasts to come about how Christians may handle trouble God's way. We can't be freed from trouble in this world. We live in a world of sin. Because of God's curse, the world works against us. We can't avoid the thorns and the scratches of the thorns that came as the result of that curse. We earn our bread by the sweat, the perspiration, the hard work that stands out in those beads on our brow. While work was not the result of the fall, God had given Adam work long before that. He gave him the job of naming the animals. He gave him the task of keeping that garden in shape. But while work was not the result of the fall, labor with the world set against you was the result of the fall. So it's not going to be easy in this world even because of that curse itself. And then because of sin as it affects our lives and the lives of other believers, we know good and well that problems come again and again. And as we try to live as Christians in a world of sinners who are out of kilter and out of step with the rest of the world, that also adds burdens and difficulties to us. Christians have been put to death for their faith, thrown into prisons. At least they have the problem of great embarrassment in this country at the present time under circumstances where they refuse to do those things that they consider because of the word of God to be sin. So troubles will come your way, all sorts of troubles. You can't avoid them, can't run from them, can't escape them, you can't become a loner and hold yourself up as some kind of a, a saint and hermit way back in a hole and try to get away from those problems. Listen, you carry a whole heart full of problems with you when you try that. Not only that, as we saw in our last broadcast, that's sinful. That does not allow you to obey the second commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. So we're going to have to face trouble. We're going to have to learn how to handle it. And we're going to have to learn how to handle it God's way. Or we're going to always be trying to juggle the hot potato and our hands continually are going to be burned if we try to handle trouble some other way. So we need to take some time to consider some facts about handling trouble. I'd like to begin a study on that question in the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians. And perhaps we won't get much farther this morning and just uh, except to uh, much farther than, than simply to lay down some of the background of that passage so that we can understand it in the verses uh, in, the, in the programs to come. The first thing that I'd like to point out to you in Philippians 1, 12 through uh, verses uh, 16 or 17 
uh, these verses we're looking at, is that Paul is writing out of prison. He is in prison in Rome as he writes to the Philippian church. And as he writes, he says some extraordinary things for a prisoner. For example, in uh, Philippians, the fourth chapter, he says, Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. And uh, in that same chapter, he says, uh, Don't be worried about anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Remarkable words for a prisoner who indeed was not just simply a prisoner, but who was a prisoner who was going to face that madman, that emperor, Nero, who later on was to take Christians and bathe them in pitch and put them on poles and ignite them as torches while uh, burning, flaming Christians lighted his garden so that orgies could be committed in the garden to the light of flickering Christians. That's the kind of man that Paul was about ready to face. He was going on trial before him, and his life may have been taken. He was in trouble when he wrote this letter. But he writes with joy. He writes with peace. He writes with happiness about the whole business. And he suggests in this first chapter how that happened, how he could bring joy out of a prison experience, how he could bring peace into that cell, how he could bring happiness into that experience. You see, that's what we need to learn that same thing. Now, I want you to understand that Paul was no green seminarian, just uh, still wet at the elbows and behind the ears, uh, dripping still as he uh, comes out of the seminary, who doesn't really know much about what he's talking about. This is the man who was facing possible death, who, as a Philippian jailer who was sitting in that very congregation when this letter was read, had remembered the time when Paul was in prison in Philippi when he himself had beat and lashed the back of Paul and Silas and those others who were with him, and how he had heard and saw Paul act under those circumstances. At midnight, with a back that was torn and bleeding, Paul was there singing the praises of God. There was a Philippian jailer down there who, when he heard these words read in this letter, was shaking his head yes and who was remembering back, I'm sure. Well, how is it? that Paul could face trouble triumphantly? How is it that Paul could find joy in prison, peace in jail, happiness in the face of death? Well, here's how. Paul, as he says in verse 12, recognized one crucial fact about all the trouble that came to his life. Now I want you to know, brethren, he says, and you see, it's important that they should know because some of them really were asking questions. Has God made a good decision in, in allowing the great preacher of the gospel who has turned the Mediterranean world upside down to be, as they thought of it, sidetracked or shelved here in prison at Rome and facing death? He says, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances, and he's talking about those circumstances of imprisonment, have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, the greater progress of the gospel. Well, they weren't able to see that at first glance. They weren't able to understand that right away. And in the verses to come, he's going to explain that. But we'll look at those in later broadcasts. Right now, let me make the point very clearly that 
Paul was able to handle trouble because he didn't look at the trouble itself. He looked at its purpose. He saw behind the trouble the hand of God. He saw God in his providence ordering all things. And he saw that in order for the gospel to go forth more plainly, more broadly, more widely, that this trouble had to come. And so he rejoiced in the trouble and found peace in his circumstances because he looked beyond the trouble to the hand of God and the purpose for which God had brought it. He knew that God was sovereign over all those problems, that it hadn't gotten out of God's hand, that this very trouble was God's plan and way of, of furthering the progress of the gospel. Lord, help us to see beyond our trouble to your hand, whatever our trouble may be today, and help us to see how this may even be a furthering of the gospel of Christ. For we pray in his name. Amen.